You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In-depth conversations. Matchup breakdown. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Great stuff from our buddy Dave Sherapin, Pittsburgh native, uh, out in Vegas with, like I said, the view from both the books angle as well as the Raiders angle here on fourth down in the Steel City. And I mean, we're going to build the game plan now, building the game plan brought to you by your company sponsor name here. Perhaps you're a contractor or a building company or store. I, I don't know. You might just be a mom and pop hardware store. However you are, and no, whoever you are and however you do it, you're helping us build the game plan here on 4th Dad of the Steel City. That's my radio voice, everybody. I'm Chris Mack. He's Josh Taylor. And in all seriousness, Josh, like we just kind of laid it out how things could look on Sunday night. I think the biggest concern for me on the defensive side of the ball, because the concerns are many on the offensive side of the ball, and we can kind of work backwards here a little bit, I think. Um, the biggest concern for me on the defensive side of the ball is that there are too many weapons for the Raiders. Um, you know, you, you brought up Hunter Renfro, uh, how clutch he was for the Raiders at times last year. They bring in Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams. We know how good he is. He's healthy enough. He's going to be available. That right there, three weapons. Um, I don't think I even got to mentioning who's their tight end, Austin Hooper. Um, Austin Hooper, and then they got the rookie, Michael Mayer, too. And that was one of right. the questions that I didn't get around to with Dave. Yeah, so you've got multiple tight ends, multiple wide receivers. You got a tailback that led the league in rushing a year ago. Um, there's a million and one reasons that you know this could be trouble. This Steelers defense has given up, I think, more rushing yards than almost anyone in the league so far this year. They might That's have close. given up the most That's rushing close. yards. Yeah, um, and so we we could be as ecstatic as we were Monday night and still are about the performance. Uh, Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt had those two can't be the entire defense. We can try, like you always say, we can build the plane out of uh, out of oh, Alex Highsmith and TJ TJ Watt, but I don't think that's enough, even against this somewhat mediocre Raiders offense, because two reasons: one, the skill position weapons available to them, and two. Josh McDaniels knows how to manage, like I said, in a Belichickian way, your 
biggest weakness, even if it's a tiny little pinhole in the in the canopy, he will shove his pinky in there and I'm doing like the Lewis Black finger now. Uh, <laughs> shove his pinky in there and then just rip the hole open until it's a gaping maw and there's just light pouring in. Um, he'll do that. He, he knows how to exploit the weaknesses. And so your strengths can be your strengths, Watt, Highsmith, and there's still not enough to win the game for you. I'm trying to conceal my laughter because the first thing I thought about with you with the fingers and you're talking about <laughs> holes, why was I thinking about the scene from Goonies where Mouth had, had like stuck his hole through the picture and he's like, hey, give me a kiss. I'm sorry, my brain went there and I couldn't conceal my laughter. Like I'm showing my age again. Gen Xers, elder millennials, you know what we're talking about. Yes. But to your point, I, I'll, I'll mention two things. And Dave hit on one of them already. He talked about how Josh Jacobs didn't report to the team until late in the preseason. So there's there's kind of that dynamic, and maybe that's why we haven't seen a lot from that unit yet. Mm -hmm. But there's the other side of the coin. We saw this defense get lit up by Christian McCaffrey against San Francisco. We saw this defense in the first half get lit up by Nick Chubb, and then in the second half get lit up by Jerome Ford against Cleveland. And in both games, they gave up huge runs for touchdowns. So now you're telling me we get to week three against the Raiders and they're at home on national TV and maybe Josh Jacobs at some point could figure out a rhythm yeah. with this offensive line in this offense facing a Steelers defense that hasn't stopped anyone yet, much less the defending rushing champion. That sounds like a problem to me. And if there's a time for the Raiders to figure things out up front in the run game, now it seems like as good of a time as any. Yeah, and, and that's just up front in the run game, as you referenced there. Uh, again, I come back to the guys on the edge. Like, and yeah. leave, and leave. Look, we spent a, a, a good amount of time talking about it the last couple of weeks, but like Joey Porter's got to be more involved. And you know what? Yes. If he goes down in flames, fine. So be it. If he gets called for pass interference a half a dozen times, so be it. Let the kid get out there and play because I think at the very least, he's going to put up more physical resistance, literally more physical resistance than Levi Wallace. Uh, Wallace and Peterson, as much as they may be handling, or at least Peterson is handling man coverage in zone, they're playing so far off the ball, Josh, that guys are walking off the line of scrimmage wide open. And guy, Wallace and Peterson are both giving them seven, eight yards of cushion. And... Jimmy G will take advantage of that. Like Jimmy G will not be tempted to sit there and wait to go over the top. He'll pick you apart six yards at a time with little dink and dunkers. Because again, McDaniels knows how to do, do this. He knows how to exploit your weaknesses and turn them into even bigger weaknesses. Joey Porter Jr. You put him out there against maybe not Devonte Adams, but you know, put Pat Pete on Devonte Adams and, and let him work that side. Put him out there against Jacoby Myers. Right. And 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 let him get physical with him and trust your corners. Stop playing this off ball zone where everything is so soft. The team is built not just on the offensive side, again, which we'll get to and we've talked about plenty, but on the defensive side, you should be built around physicality. You should be. That that should be the hallmark of this defense. At least that's what I think Mike Tomlin wants it to be. And that's yet what, that's what the offseason felt like. That's, That's what they keep telling like. us, right? Yeah. yeah. And and yet here we are playing off-ball, you know, seven- and eight-yard cushion zones rather than using the man coverage experts we have on the edges and getting physical with receivers, jamming them up so that our slot corners and our safeties and our linebackers 
they can be a little more liberal with their coverages on the inside then. Um, it, it just it strikes me that this this defense is prime for the plucking, not to the tune of like a 300-yard game for Jimmy Garoppolo or anything like that. It doesn't even have to be a 100-yard game for Jacobs on the ground, to be quite honest. It doesn't, no. All it's got to be is like a 80-yard day for Jacobs on like 16 or 17 carries and like a 220, 225 kind of game for Jimmy G with a couple of touchdowns and minimize the turnovers. And there it is. The Raiders are going to win this thing 24 to 16, 24 to 13. All they have to be, Chris, is efficient. Now, here's one thing I'm glad you mentioned turnovers. Here's a really weird thing about the Raiders their offense has turned the ball over four times already this season. The defense has not forced any. Mm. That is very strange. For, for one game, not strange. For two games, that starts to get a little bit weird. And uh, you look yeah. at that and say, well, you know, you figure that's not going to last forever. Now, granted, they they lost one fumble, but Jimmy G has three interceptions. So you you remember that in the back of your mind, and you go, well, what's the best way for this unit to maybe force some things to happen in the turnover game? You're going to have to put Jimmy Garoppolo under pressure. And it comes right back yeah. around those kids guys we're talking about. It comes back to T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. It's going to come down to those two guys. And if you can beat five guys with four in your pass rush, it makes it a lot easier for the guys on the back end because now you got seven guys back there. If you're if they're not all occupying people, at least you got hopefully you got some guys occupy, occupying people and a couple guys occupying space and making yeah. it harder for Jimmy G to find a window in that short period of time. And Dave talked about it. When you make them one-dimensional, they're going to be a lot harder to beat. So if you can find a way to get pressure on Jimmy G with just four four guys up front, or if you want to get an extra DB back there, maybe even with three guys. But those edge guys can be as active as they were against Cleveland. I think it makes it a little bit harder, and that's probably your best bet because if I got to rely on this defensive backfield to either match up with guys man-to-man or you know, maybe occupy enough space to make it hard to find windows mm-hmm. open. I don't think it's going to happen for 60 whole minutes, especially if you got an offense that can't seem to stay on the field long enough for the defense to get a breather. It's really going to make it hard to do that. So, yeah, that's kind of where I feel about that. And it, it does come down to, you know, you mentioned it. Can, can you make the right adjustments in coverage? And also, can you put the can you put the pass rush together? to be as efficient as it was last week and maybe ease that job for the guys on the back end in coverage. Yeah, because here's the thing. We've seen it once now against Cleveland that your your pass rush can win you a football game. Um, Now, that was an otherworldly performance, but I I think it is possible against less than great quarterbacks. Um, it's possible against a Garoppolo. It's possible next week against a Stroud. Um, it's possible yes. uh, a few weeks after that against the Tannehill or Jordan Love or when you face Watson again or you know Josh Dobbs down the line in December or Mac Jones or whoever may be taking snaps for Indy when you play them the week before Christmas. Uh, against all those teams, your pass rush ca- can steal a game for you. But when we start to face quarterbacks in a couple weeks like Lamar Jackson, I know he hasn't had success against the Steelers in the past, but I, I don't count them out. Um, mm-hmm. When we start to face Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow and Burrow again and maybe Geno uh, at the end of the year, Lamar again, um, those are the instances where the pass rush can be great, 
I still don't know if it's enough to win you the game, right? Let's let's assume your defense still goes out against those teams and scores two touchdowns. I'm sorry. All of those offenses are going to do more than score two touchdowns against you. Um, this, this consistently is trending toward a race to 20 every week. And <laughs> it, it's what brings me back around to the offense now, which is what tells you this offense can score 20 points? If their defense does not score or put them in extremely short field Oof. situations, what have we seen that tells us they can get in in position to score three or four times? I don't see it. Can I go back to Sunday night after the game and you ask sure. me the question, how many times have we seen the Steelers defense help them win games like this where the offense can't score? After that show, Chris, I went back and looked it up. And I, I put a I put a particular time marker on this mm -hmm. since week three of 2019. That was Mika Fitzpatrick's first game as a Steeler. Right. Since that game, the Steelers have won 39 games out of 64. Out of those 39 wins, 27 of them have come in situations that were just like Sunday night against Cleveland, where the defense gave up 22 points or less and they won the turnover margin. 27 times in the equivalent of four full seasons that has happened for this team which tells you two things one this defense isn't getting a as much credit as it probably should that's one thing two this offense still is not doing enough and it hasn't been for some time now so these are two things that sit there at direct relationship against each other so which makes your question even more valid because if they can keep vegas to 22 i like the steelers chances in this game but more importantly if we could keep that, if we could see that trend continue of Vegas continuing to turn the ball over and not forcing turnovers, because right now they're at a minus four. If you can get them at a minus two, minus three in this game, 22 points doesn't sound that unreasonable for limiting Vegas. But here's the question. Can you score 22, right. 23? Or if your defense is getting you a touchdown, can you score 16, 17 to help push you past this, this Vegas team? Because if you can't, and we have no no evidence, Chris, as you say. We have no evidence to suggest that it's possible at the moment. That's what it's going to come down to. We got to see if this this offensive line can deal with Tyree Wilson, who's you know replacing Chandler Jones because we don't know when he's going to be back with that team for whatever reason. Right. And Max Crosby on the other side, who really is the disruptor on that that front for them. Don't forget, we got to figure out how this team does in the passing game because you got a real familiar face out there at corner and Marcus Peters. He's a guy who's been pretty good in coverage. And he's not going to be somebody who can just roll over and expect, a, expect your passing game to just have a great day. So all of this comes back around, and you still got to figure out if you can run the ball because, oh, yeah, that their late leading tackler right now, he's a familiar face. We all know Rob Spillane. Mm, you figure he's going to try to make a hit or two. So all yep. of this comes around to can can you figure out this identity that even the players themselves, can you pick it admitting, hey, we don't have an identity yet. Can you figure it out and find it in time to help your defense do this job a little bit better and come out with a win that they don't have to earn for you again? And and that's why I worry that they they can't. I, I don't think it's an, I don't think six days it's a legit worry is is enough time to to suddenly remember what you're supposed to be built around on offense. And what's crazy is, you know, the the, the team was to be built in the off season around the idea of. I would like to think anyway, consistency on both sides. And what I mean by that is consistently churning out, you know, consistency and efficiency maybe on both sides of the ball. Um, no way. And instead, 
what they've become about on both sides of the ball is big plays in, in both directions. Like on the offensive side of the ball, without the 71-yard touchdown pass to George Pickens, they're dead in the water last week. Before, no before Nick Chubb, even after Nick Chubb gets hurt. On defense, it's all about strip sacks, picks, um, big hits on quarterbacks, turnovers. That that's it. I I get that. That for about 25 years, 20, 25 years has been the backbone of Steelers defense. We're going to make the the quote unquote splash plays, right? That's what we do is we come up big. We might bend, but we're never going to break. And conversely, we're going to cause you to break when you least expect it, even if you've been marching up and down the field on us. Instead, what we've got is, yeah, you're marching up and down the field on us, but now it, 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 if if our guys don't show up in that moment, mm, it, you're you're gonna just keep marching up and down the field on us. Uh, yeah, I, at the I, very I, least, you could hope to hold them to three if they make exactly. a mistake. That's about it. And on the offensive side, again, there's no consistent, efficient moving of the football. It's uh, negative play back to the line of scrimmage. Negative play behind the sticks. Punt. It's Negative play, incomplete, sack, punt. It's a negative play, a two-yard run. Oh, we hit George Pickens, 71-yard touchdown. Um, It's that boom or bust mentality that this offense in this organization as a whole is not supposed to be built around. It's supposed to be built around dependable, consistent efficiency. And I don't see how you change that overnight or at least within the time frame of six days i don't think you can you might have already pointed to the answer to that question and a few different things you just mentioned you talked about you know lack of movement with the ball on offense you talked about negative plays and you talked about pretty much just no efficiency and we thought at least we were under the impression that this organization that this this general manager in this front office we were under the impression that they fixed this problem during the offseason, we were under the impression that this offensive line was going to be somewhat rebuilt, if not even at the very least rejuvenated. We were mm-hmm. under that impression. But you you pointed it out. Negative plays, whether on first and second down, you know what that tells me? It tells me your offensive line's not getting off the ball and hitting people. It tells me they're not protecting well enough in passing situations. And the numbers, the empirical evidence suggests that. We talked about the pass block grades from PFF. They didn't look too great for this offensive line for any of the five guys. So that's something that screams out to me. And also I want to give a shout out to Alex Kazora. He pointed something out too and says, look, we're not seeing this team as far as the run game, getting these guards moving and pulling, Mm. which is a huge concern because if we want to talk about run game, you want to talk about traditions and what we see from this franchise running the ball with pulling guards and those guys creating holes in space is one of the trademarks of what this yeah. this offense was previously able to do. And Alex was right with, with Jerry Mullins opening up stuff for Franco and Rocky and Dirt Dawson. Well, granted, he was a center, but he pulled like he a still guard. still pulled, yeah. <laughs> and Alan Fanica pulled like a guard, opening up holes for Jerome Bettis and David DeCastro opening holes for Le'Veon Bell. There has to be that shift in dynamic to, okay, whether it's Daniels on one side – Please let me see Isaac Sayomalu come across the formation and take someone out. Please yes. give that to me because that's what we want to see this offense do. We got to see this offensive line get a stronger push up front. Yes, I know. Some of the play calling has been bad. 
but it is not the sole problem on this team. Because right now they can call the best run play for down and distance, and I don't know if it's going to get blocked right in order to get yardage. I don't think that matters if you can't execute it right. Get off the ball, fire off, hit people, or at the very least, don't let them get past you. You might not even need to push them three yards, but just keep them at bay so they don't have their hands or their presence in your backfield in your yeah. running back's face. I think that is the start of it on the run side of it. I think that is the start of it on the passing side of it. I think Kenny Pickett is getting really jittery. I think he leaves mostly clean looking pockets or potentially clean pockets because he's so worried about how long that protection is going to hold up because it generally has generally has not held up. I don't care what offense you run. I don't care what scheme you have, what quarterback you have, what weapons you have. You can't do much of anything if you can't get a push up front. And we have seen way too much evidence in these first two games that that has not happened. And if there's a window for that to change or a window to maybe start pushing in a different direction. And I use that push all pun intended. Mm-hmm. Now is the time because you're yep. running out of opportunity to do it. Yep. Week three and week four have to be the time where you find your offensive identity and somehow do it in wins. That's the thing. And we said this on Monday night in a post game, they could somehow pull, they could somehow get through these next two weeks, look up, be three and one somehow. And still, because of the teams that they're playing, we might be no closer to knowing what this offense's identity is. Now, it's insane. It's, it's insane. Also, it's also entirely possible things could go sideways in Vegas and again in Houston, and the offense looks just as bad as it did weeks one and week two. And we're talking about a one and three team, conversely, going up against the Ravens for the first time. And that's when you'll really be in serious trouble if you still haven't you- found an identity of some sort. And you can't afford to have that happen in Houston. Mm-mm. Maybe again, maybe in, in Vegas, short week, nationally televised game. You're on the road. You you can make you can make some concession for it. You could say, okay, that does factor against it. You cannot go on the road to Houston and look that bad on offense. No, sir. it will not go well. It wouldn't go well on any kind of level if you can't figure it out by then. That's just the absolute. You want to talk about rock bottom? That'll be it right there. That's it. Yeah. Uh, So that is building the game plan brought to you by insert your home improvement or construction contracting business here. Alongside Josh Taylor, I'm Chris Mack. It is fourth down in the steel city. No, I'm I'm serious. Like you, you just hit one of us on, social media. We'll, we'll get the salespeople involved. It'll happen. Um, make sure you're following, make sure you are downloading ratings, uh, reviewing, subscribing to all of our content, whether it be on the YouTube page of 93.7thefan.com or inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's free. Download it today and take us with you wherever you are going and whatever you are doing. Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and of course, iTunes. We're available there as well. And we look forward how this plays out Sunday night. Don't forget, Sunday night, post-game, we will once again be live on 93.7 The Fan's YouTube page for a live edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City. It'll get posted. I'm bringing snacks again. (laughs) I got snacks. Let's go. I'm going to have to bring the brown liquor again, most likely, depending on what we see. By all means, let's do it. (laughs) We will be here for a live edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City. Check out your social media. The links will be up. Uh, throughout the evening on Sunday so you can join us live and, of course, comment with us right along there uh, during the show on Sunday night. And then, again, like I said, it'll be posted as a podcast after the fact that you can't stay up late following the game. 
against the Raiders on Sunday night. But fingers crossed, knock on wood, we're talking about a 2-1 and one Pittsburgh Steelers team somehow coming out of it Sunday night. Again, for Greg Finley, our producer, alongside Josh Taylor, I'm Chris Mack. This has been another edition of 4th Down in Steel City.